I will praise the name of God with a song, and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. So, magnify, magnified. What do we mean when we say that? What are we... What are we getting at when we say we're going to go away and magnify God for the weekend? Um, I'll start by saying God is. Like, italicize the word is. God is. And so when we say we're going to magnify God, we're going to spend our lives magnifying God, what we're not saying is we're going to change Him or alter Him or make something of Him that He is not. God is. God exists. God. God. So when we say magnify, we're not going to, okay, let's change it. Let, let's, let's make something of him that he's not. Let's try to get twist his arm and make him uh, become what we need him to become. God is. And so when we say magnify, what we're saying is that our perspective changes. That we get altered that we get morphed, that we get brought into newness. God is, and He, as we magnify Him, He makes us into Himself. He makes us to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Our focus, when we say magnify, our, our focus gets intensified when we magnify God. We start to notice what's there. Have you ever been in someone's home time after time, and then all of a sudden, after being in their home, On the tenth time you go, oh, I never noticed that picture. There it is. When you magnify God, the the psalmist said, I would would rather spend a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, says Psalm 84, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. So the psalmist is saying, I want to spend my time noticing what's going on in God's house. I want to know what God's like. I want to sit at his table. I want to hear conversations. I want, to, I want to immerse myself in the life of God, says the psalmist. And as we do this, our focus is intensified. We start to pick up on things that are already there. The God who is lets us in on himself as we magnify him, as we come around him, as we say we want to see him more and more. To magnify means we're recognizing and meditating on what's already there. Lisa, um, I'm, I'm a guy that uses my words a lot. I kind of think out loud. I'm, I'm an extrovert. I, I talk until I say something sometimes, which can be a real weakness. It can also be a strength. And Lisa kind of measures twice and cuts once with her words. She thinks about it, thinks about it, and then brings you what she's thought about, and it's usually a lot better than thinking out loud. But one of the strengths of me thinking out loud is I'll just tell her what I think about her. So we'll be in the kitchen. It's good. It's good. So I'll, I'll start to embarrass her. I'll say, like, Lisa, you're beautiful. You're lovely. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I get to be married to you. Coming up on 10 years of these kids. And we look at them. They're beautiful. They look like their mother. And I start, like, talk. I just tell Lisa what I think about her. And, and thank you for being so gracious. And thank you for being so stable. And thank you. I love your parents. I love how they raised you. I love, and I just go. I go. I'm not saying anything to make it. I'm saying what's already there. I'm noticing what's there and and I'm I'm magnifying it. I'm pointing the spotlight on what's true and what's real and what already exists. So my question to us tonight is, what are we shining the spotlight on? What are we pointing the light at with our lives? Because all of us have options. All of us get to focus. All of us are shining the spotlight on something. The question is, what will we shine spotlight on. When, when, we, when we do this, when I gush on Lisa in our kitchen and the kids are around and they're hearing me and Lisa's getting embarrassed and she's kind of like, you know, she's blushing and she looks away and I just kind of come up and, and the kids are watching. What, what happens is what's there becomes more activated and more animated and more actualized. It's, 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 it's brought out. It's drawn to the, the, to the foreground, Right? It's always been there, but I cannot say it. I cannot activate it. I cannot recognize it. I can decide to not 
shine the spotlight on it. But when you do shine the spotlight, when you do magnify, when you do point your words toward God, what is there actually becomes realized more and more in our lives. It becomes activated. It becomes playful in our lives. It's, it's, it's truer, if you will, as we magnify God. Today, I didn't do so great at this. Friday nights are late nights for us as a family. We have our kids out late. We have service, and we love it. We wouldn't change it for anything, but we usually end up paying for it on Saturdays. <laughs> Saturday morning, the kids wake up, and they're, it's just kind of funky, you know? They're, 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 they have to get it out of their system the late night. Kids thrive on routine, so when we normally have them in bed at 7, and they're asleep by 7.30, to take them home at 9.30 on a Friday night, we pay for it Saturday morning. So... I'm also a little bit waking up out of the fog because I've just preached and the kids are up at 6 o'clock and they're climbing on us. We had all three of our kids in our bed at 6 o'clock this morning wrestling. <laughs> you know, it's just like, just could you wrestle at 9 o'clock, you know? <laughs> so anyway, Saturdays are kind of the recuperation day for us as a family. And I also coached Lillian's basketball team at the YMCA, so we had a game this afternoon and so I was coming back with the kids from the game. We've all kind of been tired and, and waking up from the funk. And we're driving home from the YMCA, and I'm coming down Briargate Road. And Wilson is like a wild banshee. I mean, he's just, he's the last of the Mohicans. He's screaming and yelling, and he's all over the place. And that's what happens when kids get tired. They usually just thrash. And so he's thrashing, he's punching his sister, and he's being loud. And, and I'm saying, Wilson, and, and I'm like... I know that this is the devil attacking me, okay? I know that the devil, not Wilson, but the devil is using Wilson to attack me. To see what will happen. He's pressing me like a wine press, you know, just running over the grapes to sweet, you know, see what's in there. And so I'm like trying to compose myself. And Wilson, Wilson can be loud, you know. This is, often people will say that children, you know, are, are God's... Um, are God's attempt to sort of get back at you for what you did to your parents. And so I was this to my parents. I was loud and I was fun, but I was crazy. And so Wilson is being this. And I'm saying, like, keep it under control, Daniel. Like, shut your mouth. Just don't say anything. Just guard, guard your heart and fight through. You can do this. I'm telling myself all this in my mind. And I hear the Lord just kind of gently whisper to me, I'm giving you a chance, Daniel focus on me. I'm giving you a chance to magnify who I am and what I'm like. And he said to me, I'm slow to anger. And I'm listening to my boy, I've told him five times, under control, Wilson, you need Wilson. Settle that, stop it right now. Wilson, get your hands out of your sister's hair. And I've done what I can, but the Lord is saying to me, Daniel, I'm giving you a chance. I'm slow to anger. Will you focus on that? Will you magnify that? Will you realize that? And then Wilson, all of a sudden, with this sort of eardrum splitting squeal, like the sound of a pack of hyenas, it just, it just out of nowhere, and I turned around and I said, Wilson! And I knew, you know when you just, you violated something? You just know when you use your words the wrong way. All I said was his name, but it was, it was wrong. And I heard the Lord just kind of say, I was giving you a chance. He wasn't mad. He wasn't, he wasn't angry, but I was giving you a chance to focus on, to magnify my slow to anger thing. But you wanted to magnify Wilson's craziness. And we, we all, I tell you that story to just say we all have a chance. We all have options of what we're going to magnify. Will we magnify the deficiencies? Will we magnify what's wrong? with the world? Will we magnify what's wrong with these people around us? Or will we magnify that God is gracious and that He's slow to anger and that He's about to be loving? Will we, will we actualize that in our own lives as we focus on it, as we shine the spotlight there? Something in us shifts. The world swirls around us still. The kids scream still. But we have, we have what we need to make it through because we've shined the spotlight where we need to shine the spotlight. Scripture is full of words like exalt and adore. 2 Samuel 22 says, The Lord lives and blessed be the rock. And let the God of my salvation be exalted. 
He's saying, I want to focus on that. I want to talk about that, the God of my salvation, the one who's plucked me up out of the pit, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me, and He heard my cry, and He picked me up out of the miry clay, and He set my feet on a rock. And the psalmist is saying, that's what I'm going to magnify. I'm going to exalt the God of my salvation. I'm not going to exalt the circumstances, everything that swirls. This is what I'm going to focus on. Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. At the very end of that, he comes back to it and closes. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, we have a chance to exalt the Lord. We have a chance to focus and to adore and to lift his name high and to shine the spotlight on the Lord. But it really takes a lifetime of learning to focus on the Lord. Fixing our gaze. As David said, one thing I ask, and this is what I see. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze upon you of the Lord. I want to read, if you have your Bibles, read your story out of 2 Kings chapter 22. You can turn there. This is the story of King Josiah. And this is a time when Israel is in shambles. There have been evil kings that came in front of Josiah. And as the kings would go, so would go the nation typically. So let me read you this story. And we'll draw some conclusions from it tonight. It says this in 2 Kings 22. I'm going to read the first 11 verses and then we'll jump to chapter 23. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Can you imagine? Eight years old. That's my little girl, Lillian. She's the king of all Israel. (laughs) He was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah. Jedidah? Zane, (laughs) Jedidah? Daughter of Adiah? Zane. She was from Boscat. Anyone here from Boscat? I didn't think so. (laughs) And little Joe, eight-year-old Josiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshullam, to the temple of the Lord. So he sends his secretary, Shaphan, to the temple of the Lord. He said, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, collect the offerings, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work of the temple. And have these men pay the workers who can repair the temple of the Lord. The carpenters, the builders, and the masons also have them purchase timber and dressed stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money. We don't need receipts. We just trust you because they are acting faithfully. Verse 8, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. This is the high priest in the temple. The secretary comes to do what they do, and Hilkiah has this astounding news. And the news is, I have found the book of the law in the temple. How does that happen? This is the temple. This is the the Torah. These people have had this in their bones for a thousand years. But he discovers this book, and it's this incredible news. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him. He goes back to Josiah. Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and the supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king. Your high priest, Hilkiah, he gave me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He knew immediately that something was wrong with Israel. Skip down to chapter 23, the first three verses, and it says, Then the king Josiah called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests, and the prophets. 
All the people from the least to the greatest. He read, the king read. Kings don't read the book to the people. This is like such a momentous day that the king says, I have to do this. So he read it in the hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and he renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord. To follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations and decrees with all his heart and all his soul. Thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. And then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. You see that day Josiah decided that he would magnify God and God's word in the sight of all Israel. Israel had spent so many years away from God that this book got lost. That The high priest didn't even know it was there. It was the worst of times in Israel. But yet they found the book and Josiah took the book and he read the whole thing, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, in their hearing. And that day all the people renewed the covenant before God. You see, they decided to get the word of God in front of them again. They decided to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. They decided to hide God's word in their hearts that they might not sin against Him. They decided that they would magnify the Lord, that that His name is majestic in all the earth, and that we'll get back to this business of dwelling in your house and gazing on your beauty and saying these words, declaring who you are. Instead of focusing the spotlight on all the nations of the world and all their idols, if you read the story, there's idols in the temple. There's prostitution in the temple. God, save us, have mercy. They've shown the spotlight in the wrong place, but that day with Josiah and all the people, they decided to point the spotlight back on the true God. They decided to magnify it. What would it be like for all of our lives if we decided to get this book back in front of our faces? What would it be like if this was our gaze? What would it be like if our cell phones were secondary? Someone said to me uh, recently, he said, you know, I'm coming to think one of the greatest ways to serve God is to throw your phone in the ocean. <laughs> just get rid of it, you know, just at least have limits on it. And so for the first two or three hours of my day now in the office, when I come in, I turn my phone off, I put it in the drawer and put it away. It has changed my life. Something so small. Because it's always calling out to us. It's always buzzing and beeping and doing things. It's, it's lighting up and our attention is going like this. We're shining the spotlight. We're, we're, we're all over the map. But what if we came back and gazed upon this book and this was primary? What if we hid this in our hearts? What if this became our delight? Joe and Erica do this really great, actually. I want to I wanna just hold them up as an example. For eight years, every night before they go to bed, they read the Bible together. That's a beautiful thing. You want to you stay together as a married couple? Hide God's word in your heart. You want to learn to forgive each other quickly? Hide God's word in your heart. You want to raise children who love the Lord? Hide God's word in your heart. It's going to start to spill out of your mouth. And they're going to get it stuck in their hearts. This morning, this does not always happen. Uh, so it was really sweet when it did. Wilson went and got his picture Bible. He wanted to read it. Lisa made scrambled eggs and toast and we're sitting at the table. Just Again, we'd already had a wrestling match at 6 a.m., so, you know, got to go feed everybody. So we're down at the table, and Wilson goes over and gets his picture Bible, and he's sitting there, and he's like, hey, will you read this to me? So Lillian runs up. She can read, so she runs up and gets her grown woman Bible. <laughs> she wants to show off. <laughs> Wilson's just looking at pictures, but she's got words. <laughs> so Wilson was looking at the story of Balaam's donkey. Ever read that? Numbers 23. It's an amazing story. Balaam's donkey starts talking. You know, it's just really cool. And he's fascinated with talking donkeys. So, so Lillian turns, where is that? It's Numbers 23. So she goes to Numbers 23 and she reads all of Numbers 23 and she loves it so much that she reads all of Numbers 24. And we're sitting there eating our eggs and it's really cool. My daughter's reading the Bible to us. This doesn't happen a whole heck of a lot. So we're all, and the boys are just transfixed like they're listening to the story and Wilson's looking at his pictures while she narrates and it's a really cool thing. At the end of chapter 24, uh, Balak, the king, comes to Balaam, who is the, the prophet. Balaam's donkey, you know, he was stubborn, so the donkey starts talking, but Balaam gets his act together. So Balak, the king of the other nation, who's trying to kill Israel, comes to Balaam, the prophet, and says, hey, I want you to curse Israel for me. Let's, let's kind of create a little 
thing here. And Balaam says, well, let me go talk to God, see what God says. If God says curse him, then it's God's word, but I can't just speak for myself. So he goes to God, God says, don't curse him, they're mine. So he goes back to Balak and says, I can't curse him. And Balak, three times he does this, curse God's people, curse God's people. So Lillian's reading all this, and it's fantastic. But at the end of chapter 24, Balaam goes back to God for the last time to see if he should curse Israel for Balak, Israel's enemy. And God says no, so he comes back to Balak and says, I can't do it. And Balak says, why can you not curse Israel? And Balaam says back to him, because the shout of the king is among them. And that phrase I've heard before, I've read it before, but for whatever reason, out of Lillian's mouth, it just hit me. The shout of the king is among Israel. I can't curse them because God's on their side. And so I said, Lillian, what do you think? What do you think the shout of the king is among them? What does that sound like? And she goes, Bleh. and I said, Wilson, what is the shout of the king? Like, what does that look like? And he goes, Bleh. and he just starts doing this, you know, like tearing his shirt. And then Wakely, he's almost three. You know, he's and I was like, that's right, kids, the shout of the king is among us. And we're all screaming, 7 a.m. If our neighbors were watching us, I don't know, they would call child protective services. And we're going, shout shout of the king is among them. And I said, guys, the shout of the king is among us too. It's in our house. God is in our house. God loves us and God has blessed you. And you're going to live your lives with the shout of the king among you. Right before that, it says that Israel is like this lion. And the lioness is lurching and then she gets up to go on the prowl. And she comes and she takes out the animal and she spills its blood. That's what Israel's like. They're just so fierce. And I said, guys, God has empowered us. We can do this. We can live for him. We can bless people. We're fierce and the shout of the king is among us. And Where are you pointing the spotlight? Everything is falling apart. How, how life is so terrible and, and how we just can't get it together and how we don't have enough and how we, you know, ISIS, ISIS is running around and doing all this stuff and what's going on in Paris. And it's so easy to point the spotlight at everything that is not good and true and beautiful. But we as the people of God are called to hide this word in our hearts and to point the spotlight on who God is and who God has made us to be. Because when we see Him, we become like Him, for we see Him as He truly is. There's something about magnifying God that ends up highlighting who we've been made to be. There's this exchange that when we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, like Moses... With unveiled face, we start to light up. We behold His glory, and we shine bright. we got to come down, and people are going, Man, what is on that person? There's this interplay, this exchange, this back and forth. If we will magnify God, He will light us up with His beauty and with His glory. Jude 24 is one of my... It's just one chapter, Jude chapter 1. It's just verses, Jude verse 24. And it says, To him who is able to keep us from falling, and to present us faultless before the throne of God with exceeding great joy to the only wise God, be praise and glory and honor and power forever. I know how quickly I can fall. I know how frail I am. I know how difficult this world is to live in. And I know the enemy is always trying to say, your life is just hanging by a thread. It's right on the edge. You might lose it today. What if you had Jude 24 in you where you said, instead of all that, instead of focusing on how it could go, you said to him who is able to keep us from falling. And to the one God who presents us faultless before His throne with exceeding great joy, He's happy to bring us before His throne faultless. We don't have to twist His arm. He's not mad at us. He's not pointing the finger. He's the God who exceedingly, just with great joy, presents us faultless. Be praise, glory, honor, power forever. Where will you shine the spotlight? What will you magnify with your life? Tonight... I want us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. That song, look full in His wonderful face. 
Because when you do that, the things of earth, they go, grow strangely dim in the light of His glory, His grace. Would you bow your heads and just quiet your heart with me? The band wants to come and be ready to flow. If the prayer team wants to come here, whoever wants to pray. I want us to ask ourselves what we're seeing. What are we seeing? What are we fixated on? What's in front of our eyes? Where have we decided to dwell? The psalmist, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Have we magnified the deficiency around us? Have we magnified the problems around us? Or have we magnified the all-sufficient one, the one who is the answer to every situation? What have we magnified? The, The busyness and the noise of our world? Or the voice, the presence of our God? Where are we spending our time? What are you letting get in your ears? The Word of God? Or the noise of the world? Tonight I just simply want to call us back. shining the light on God and on His Word, on what He says to us, on what He's communicated to us about Himself, that we would hide that in our hearts, that we would meditate on that day and night. That we'd be like the people Solomon talks about, that meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. That we would become like trees planted by streams of living water that bear fruit every season and whose leaf never withers and whatever we touch prospers. But we ask that you would make us those people. We ask that you would help us to shine the light on the truth, shine the light on you, to gaze upon your beauty and to see you in your holy temple. That we would love your law more than we love anything else, that it would be our delight, that it would be the thing that we hide in our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we open the scriptures, you would speak to us, that you would, that the shout of the king would be among us, God. That you would make us strong, that you would make us courageous, that you would send us out into the world equipped and powerful, not cowering and not afraid and not timid and in a swirl, but composed strong, confident, ready. Lord, it's only you that can put us on our feet like that. So tonight, Lord, may this just be a a mile marker in our walk with you that we can look back on where we said we, we decided to be like Josiah again. That we would lift up your law and, and, and meditate on it. That we would make this our gaze and our focus, our delight. Would you stand with me? So we got people who know how to pray down here, who love to pray, and we'll pray as long as we need to pray. But what I want you to come down, if any of you can come down, I want you to tell them what your gaze has been upon, and then they're going to be ready to pray the truth. They're going to be ready to pray what's real. They're going to be ready to, to speak a word of encouragement or prophecy to you to tell you what's actually true, because when we gaze on the wrong stuff, we, we, we believe lies. So they're going to tell you the truth tonight from God's Word. They're going to lay hands on you. They're going to speak life over you. They're going to proclaim God's truth to you. So when you come down, I want you to just simply say, I've had my focus on dot, dot, dot. Maybe it's a sickness in your family. Maybe it's a financial crisis that you've been in. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's you just have a terrible self-esteem because the enemy has lied to you. And they're going to speak identity over to you, over you tonight.
by him. That, that question Daniel asked us, Lord, may that be true in our hearts that we would lay aside things we've been magnifying to magnify you and you alone. Lord, we love you, you are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship your name, you are a good God. All the people said, been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the college and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.